Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. Welcome back to 2017 from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Aaron, uh, we are we are back for the first show of 2017. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And trying to, uh, for us here in Raleigh, um, you know, we had an inch of snow, which means there's been no school for three days now. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be an interesting uh, podcast here. I'm going to be coming on and off mute all night because I have a house full of crazy, crazy kids who've been locked in houses and <laughs> just really, really ready for them to go back to school at this point. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So so first off, congratulations. Uh, you guys, uh, your, your Clemson team won the national championship last night. That was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time coming, and I, I stayed up way too late uh, yelling at my um, TV very, very loudly and scaring my kids and actually got them out of bed um, for the end of the game, which they maybe will appreciate someday, but they did not last night. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was good. Yeah, so that was cool. Um, so a couple of real quick housekeeping things. Uh, first off, I uh, want to thank everybody who has made a donation to uh, the Krispy Kreme run, the donut run uh, for the NC Children's Hospital. We're up to, I think, about $2,000 now in donations. We're about halfway to our goal of 4000 So for everybody who's Given everything from you know a few dollars to a bunch of dollars, thank you very very much. Uh, we've still got about a month to go, um, and uh, if you would like to uh, to help out the kids um, at the Children's Hospital, there's a link at the top of the uh, the podcast page on the right side, and then we'll have it in the show notes as well. So uh, you know, so that's all there. Very cool. Thank you very much for that. And the other thing was um, we talked about this in the last show, but I think it got buried probably about forty or fifty minutes in. Um, people have asked about the serverless show, and the the Cliff Notes version is. Uh, we are still doing the serverless show. It's just going to be embedded in the Cloudcast feed. So um, the the easiest way you'll know is the title will say serverless in it somewhere, and uh, it will have the little red logo that the serverless cast has um, instead of the uh, the white logo that you'll see typically for the podcast. So we are not abandoning it, but we did get rid of the uh, the serverless serverlesscast.io uh, website. So a few people pinged us about that and said, "Hey, where to go?" So that's that's what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and that. it's. It- very, very similar to what we did with the mobile cast uh, w- way back when, and really for us at the the end of the day, and until we we really you know get enough traction around it and maybe spin it off into its own feed, it's actually better to just put this in the feed and eventually expand out the content in this feed over time, as opposed to building two websites and two feeds and two hosts and all the other you know everything that goes with maintaining all of that. So a little bit easier on our side and and. Hopefully that means we'll get more shows out because of yep. less overhead as yep. well. Yep, yep, yep. So, listen, man, we uh, I think we have our two most famous guests ever tonight. So I'm kind of excited about tonight's show. Uh, Jason Edelman, uh, welcome to the show, and Matt Oswald, welcome to the show as well. Hey guys, how are you? Good, good. How are you guys? Good, good. So I'm, I'm doing well. Good, uh, and you're you're just coming off of work, so I uh, appreciate your your rushing to to be able to do this. So, guys, uh, Jason, you've been on the show before, Matt. You're you're kind of a first timer, but uh, I know a lot of folks know some of the cool stuff that you've been working on. Give us, I know, a little bit of your background, and then kind of what you guys are working on these days. Um, yeah, so so basically, for the last couple of years or so, I've been focused on automation generally. Um, maybe the first few years on network automation specifically, and now I'm branching out into sort of just general automation working uh, with StackStorm. 
Um, so I joined the team a couple months ago and uh, just dealing with, you know, general automation use cases. Obviously, my background is in networking, so I'm trying to build bridges there. Um, but uh, yeah, automation, automation, automation all day. Yeah, very, very similar here. And my background is predominantly networking, you know, 10 plus years in networking. The past several years kind of make that shift into automation, software development, and now really focus on bridging that gap, really helping helping customers um, adopt newer technologies and uh, just being able to you know, minimize inefficiencies in their network operations. Yeah, no, it's 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 cool. We 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 wanted to get both you guys on here. Uh, there's some other stuff we're going to get into, but you guys are you know, you're neck deep in, in automation and we kind of wanted to get just a, a state of what's going on with automation. So I'm um, glad to have both of you on. Um, let, let's start off just at a real high level. Um, I mean, both of you guys kind of come from the networking side of the world, but you're, you know, you're involved with a lot of different aspects now and, you know, the lines are kind of blurring. Like what are the big, what are the big trends that, that you're both seeing in the marketplace around automation as well as, kind of the areas that you're focused on skill-wise or, you know, kind of customer trends that you're tracking? Right. So I'll, I'll take that one first. And so to day-to-day to day right now, I'm very focused. Work for, you know, work, a small consultancy, you know, doing, uh, you know, boutique stuff, very focused on network automation. So, you know, helping, helping customers look at ramping up skill sets. So it could be doing training sessions as well as traditional professional services, but really targeting network automation so in general the, the biggest trend is that I, I believe 2017 is is going to be the year where it it starts to go a little bit more mainstream right you know several of us folks have been looking at these technologies larger enterprises you know carriers and one that have been looking at these technologies but the general general trend from a high level is as i talk to customers is that there's there's more of a more awareness internally that things aren't as ideal as they should be or could be when it just comes to doing network operations. I think for you know for a long time, as you manage network devices via let's say SSH via the command line, there's uh, you know I would say still a lot, of, a lot of folks out there that you know still don't see things as a problem. And I think the biggest trend is realizing that there's a problem with how we do network management and how we do network operations today. So, so J- Jason, the last time you were on the show, and it's been a little while. I want to say maybe it's been I don't know m- more than a year. You were you were working at a, at a large um, what people would call a VAR value added reseller, and and you were do working on some side stuff. And you know you were just kind of giving us the hey, uh, I'm I'm ambitious. I'm trying to learn this stuff. You've you've actually turned all that into a business. Um, you know, with the, this uh, your your business network to code. Talk a little bit about because you and I talk from time to time, sort of off the show and everything. Talk a little bit about not just the trainings that you're doing, but but the the sort of online you know web stuff that that, that you kind of got into and, and how you kind of got into that whole thing because it's a it's a cool service that people can kind of get engaged with, but it's also cool how you went about figuring it all out. Yeah, no, the past, I think it was actually well over well over two years ago. So when I left my left my last employer. Two and a half years ago, I believe it's in the next few months, it's about two and a half years. And so it was one of those things where, you know, some side of work, you know, led into me leaving, starting Network to Code. And now there's, you know, several of us here working on these technologies. And it was just trying, you know, trying to foresee what's needed out there in the industry. And, I, and I'll say, when you look at traditional, traditional manufacturers, traditional integrators and VARs, one of the common themes is what drives them today is 
selling hardware. Yeah. And it's and, and to be honest, it's selling hardware, design architecture, and implementation. Right. Once you get it installed, though, like the real challenge is there with how do you how do you manage that day to day? And and I was convinced that there needed to be a a newer company to help customers deploy technologies. So that's what Network to Code is. But in general, there's there's a few different pillars that we're focused on, and you you know you hit on almost almost all of them. But one of them is is training. So you know we offer training courses, things like that. The other one is services, and the other one is more I'll say quasi quasi productized services. And one of them is is what we call labs on demand. So you can browse you know browse to the website and you know spin up let's say an instance of you know a, a certain router type or a firewall type, and be able to within you know, somewhere between 10 and 12 minutes spin up either one node or it could be 10, 15, 20 nodes to lower the barrier to get started with automation. That was the, that was the initial goal because right now to get started, you either need a physical lab or you need to download virtual machines on your laptop and spin them up. And there are tools and orchestrators that help even doing that. But for a lot of folks with, with no background in automation at all, or it could be a financial company in New York, they lock down their laptop and you can't install hypervisors like VirtualBox. So our, our goal was, you know, I'll say to, you know, to be, let's say uh, the Amazon for networking, as an example, we want to, you know, self-service portal within a few minutes, a few minutes launch a topology that can be used for testing automation. And that sort of, you know, evolved from there as the foundation of that. We even had conversations with larger organizations to, to be used in larger pipelines to automatically spin up a network topology, run tests, and and decommission it. But in general, yeah, we have a on-demand platform that allows folks of all, of all types to spin up topologies, and, and they, they could be test for testing or for learning, or we could also mimic production environments. It could be a large-scale WAN, spin up X amount of nodes to be able to certify and test, you know, it could be custom scripts, custom code, or it could even be a commercial product that you want to test on, on a topology. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's very hard to do that today because there aren't physical lab environments that a lot of, you know, customers have to be able to run, you know, I would say, you know, test that, test that scale where that makes sense before they roll out to production. No, it's it's very cool. I, I know for me, thinking back to when I was taking my CCIE, I, I would have loved something like this rather than having to physically drive into Cisco offices, go in their labs, spend all day Saturday and Sunday, you know, pulling cables and plugging stuff in and hoping boxes were available. And so I, I love I love the idea and I and I and I love it, especially from the perspective of, of hearing a million people tell, you know, tell these horror stories on Twitter about how their home lab blew up or their electric bill was too much or, you know, not being able to get gear. So that, that part is very, very cool. Um, Aaron, I think we're starting we're starting off 2017 good because at least somebody has uh, fire trucks or, or police sirens in the background. So hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully nobody's nobody's getting arrested. I apologize. I live in an urban area, so no. every once in a while you'll hear a fire truck or, or a police car drive by. No, it's it's so cool. one. Yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to build on what Jason was saying. Like one really cool reason why you know what he's doing is so valuable is because, and this is one of the to, you know maybe to take a step back and look at the big picture again. Uh, you asked what you know trends we're seeing in in customer environments. Um, 
I, I'm seeing a lot of interest in breaking from the traditional, and I say traditional again from a networking perspective. Networking, uh, the networking industry is so accustomed to using black box either software or hardware, um, and there are advantages to that. Uh, but it's just so skewed towards that side of the spectrum that if there's any sort of you know either technical issue with the solution or maybe it doesn't match exactly what you're trying to do on your infrastructure, um, you're real, there's just really not much you can do about it. So these products and these these automation you know quote automation tools that we've been using for network management just haven't really um, done much for us beyond what we what we call up down management right we okay cool our network is actually you know blinking lights but what is it actually doing how are our applications actually performing across it and so in terms of trends I'm seeing a lot of customers um, especially now that I'm exposed to a lot of um, you know non networking teams you know server teams um, applications teams as part of my work at Stackstorm um, there's just a lot of interest in the network in the network industry um, to to become part of that you know customer base that's really interested in taking on more and more of the pie that's not to say everybody that I work with is all open source everywhere obviously that's not the case it's just happening it, it's just going in that direction slightly I think it's just very very interesting and empowering to see customers try to take more and more of the pie instead of saying you know here's a paycheck give me a black box and yeah that's that's good enough. Yeah, no, that's cool. And, and you're and you're. It's it's nice to have the two of you guys because uh, Jason's on the East Coast. He's up in New York City. You're out on the West Coast in the Bay Area. Like, uh, give us a, a contrast because I know both of you guys get a chance to see the industry from you know different geographies and different stuff. But uh, you know, what are you seeing out on the West Coast that that maybe the rest of the world isn't seeing, or you know, s- stuff that you know you, you kind of contrast to when you you, know, you deal with folks in other parts of the country and stuff. So actually, I'm in I'm in Portland, and oh, okay. from this from this area, actually, everything's pretty much just defined by beer and coffee. So yeah. that's probably not a very valuable <laughs> perspective. No, I, I'm only kidding. So so yeah, I mean, essentially, obviously, te- Portland, you know, it's no Bay Area, but it's a very tech tech savvy area. There's a lot of companies based here that uh, that it's sort of like a mini Bay Area, if you will. Right. Right. Um, so so uh, you know. Uh, one big difference. I used to live in Ohio. I can tell you one huge difference moving out here is just simply the number of meetups that are going on. Like in Ohio, you know, I'd be lucky if I could get you know maybe one one meetup every few weeks on a topic that was interesting to me. Um, quite a few more than that on some other topics. Uh, but here, it's like I could go out every night and learn about something that's kind of core to my job, um, and that's crazy to me. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's very very cool. Yeah, Brian and I experienced that very much. The kind of the same thing with with being in North Carolina, and then. When we go to like a conference out in the Bay Area or something like that, and and we'll often, yeah, you you get like one a month, two a month here in North Carolina, but you go out to the Bay Area, you just kind of pull up the Meetup app and, huh, where are we going to go tonight, kind of thing. Um, so it it is amazing the difference when you get that that density of of technology, if you will, um, because you get positives uh, of something like that, that ability to learn and absorb yourself in, in, in tech. But then you also sometimes the, the, the bubble forms, if you will. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely positives and negatives to both of them without a doubt. Yeah. Now, Matt, you've been, uh, you've been at, at some pretty, you know, you've been at medium sized companies, but you've also been at some big web scale companies, you know, recently, and you're working on open source stuff. Like, are, are you seeing things, um, you know, between those two sort of worlds that you say, hey, there is some commonality here that you'd kind of, you know, pass along to, to other people in terms of just best common practices? Or is the web scale world and, and sort of the, I don't know, midsize enterprise, you know, mid market type of company, are, are they just so different that, that you kind of can't compare the two of them? 
Well, there are if you're if you're if you go all the way down into the weeds and talk about implementations, yeah, they can be pretty unique, and and not a lot of that is is shall we say readily reusable um, to the you know Joe's Crab Shack or something like that. Um, but there, I think, if you can think a little more abstractly, there are some common fundamentals that um, I've thought about that uh, I've tried to apply in my practices ever since leaving, um, you know, like eBay, for instance, is a company I used to work for. Uh, so if you think about things like, you know, okay, I want to build an automation system, and I'm kind of new to this. What, you know, where do I start? Well, one of the one of the really cool things to focus on is is thinking about doing auto- automation in a very autonomous way. Um, that's one of the ways that, you know, the way that we were doing things at eBay, which is different from, you know, when I looked at some of the uh, older companies that I worked for, we wrote scripts, you know, scripts, that's nothing new, everybody writes scripts, but um, just one of the one of the one of the common uh, things that you do at that scale is, is you can't just write scripts and run them from your laptop, you have to build software that's totally autonomous. Um, you have to build software that gets its input from other software whenever you can, otherwise, it just simply won't scale. Um, and, and by scale, I don't necessarily mean actual physical scale, I also mean, um, you know, it will it will break because of inconsistency. I mean, that's the biggest reason we do automation in general, right? It's it's very rarely because we're so big we need to automate. It's it's usually because um, our human uh, involvement is kind of unnecessary and it causes it causes issues and in many cases revenue loss. So that's the real reason we do it. And if you're building software that's autonomous, you avoid some of that stuff. Yeah, no, it makes it makes sense. And it, I mean, did you find that it just that's just the kind of the principle that that you've now adopted, or was that because you reached a certain sort of tipping point in scale. Because I know, I know a lot of people, maybe not at the largest companies, will sort of say, hey, the, the investment and the time put into doing automation, you know, feels like a lot of work for something that, you know, I just kind of do on a day-to-day basis. So it's not worth, sure. you, know, you know, kind of taking away from your day-to-day activities. It, it, was there a tipping point for you or, or was, it, was it just kind of the culture of where you where it evolved to? To make it better. honestly, like for me, for me, this probably isn't the sexiest way to describe it, but for me, it's just about demystifying the whole process. We talk about automation like it's this whole, you know, grandiose vision of of what you'll be like in five years, but but in reality, if you if you actually start down the process, you realize it's just very iterative. Um, there is, I'm sorry, but there just is no way that I'll accept the 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 judgment that. Um, I don't have, you know, no automation is is not worth it. Every every everybody has something that they do all the time that if they if they automated that, it would either make their system more stable or it would save them more time, you know, things like that. And that's what automation is all about. It's not it's not really like you know I want to I want to build this like huge machine that just makes me not have to work at all. It's it's very it's very iterative. You know, it starts with little scripts and 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 you write you know for instance Ansible playbooks to automate network things or maybe write a little Python to consume an API. That's where it starts. Um, so, so yeah, it, it kind of demystifies the whole process. And this was about five years ago for me, um, where I was like, you know, this actually isn't, isn't that big of a deal. It's just sort of going through the steps and thinking about my system very, um, algorithmically and saying, oh, you know, that, that actually is pretty easy to do. Let's just knock that out real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think in that I totally, I totally agree. And, you know, is like the biggest hurdle is just getting started for those, you know, for those out there. Because there's oftentimes when you go down the path of automation, let's say you do have one of those tasks you do every day, you know how to do it. You can do it manually and it can take you X amount of minutes or hours, but you just know how to get it done. When you start to automate that process, it might seem more challenging up front, but the reward the reward is going to be there in the end. And that's the part to, to kind of foresee where things where things can go. Because n- no doubt about it, you know, what I always see is, you know, people start down this path and it could be just installing the right packages or putting things in the right directories. 
And, you know, just based on bandwidth and resource availability, a person might not have hours on ends to, to do this. So, you know, if, if the install fails, they just kind of throw it away. And so the, so the biggest thing to do is just kind of you know, stick with it. There's growing pains along the way, but the reward and the payoff is definitely there. Yeah. Now, Jason, you're, you're obviously, you know, a, a lot of the focus of your time is, is getting people trained up, teaching them, educating them. Um, what, what is that? What does that journey look like for people these days? I mean, is it, uh, is it getting pushed by, by their business? Are they, are they doing it out of their own curiosity? Uh, you know, had, had they already tried stuff like, like Ansible or chef and puppet and they kind of struggled with it and they're looking for guidance. Like what's a, I don't know what, what's a, what's a typical engagement for you look like these days or what's the motivation for a lot of people these days? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and so there, there's two things you want know, one, one is the training and one is the actual, when we help them with deployments but if i focus on the training the the i would say the want varies and you can there's 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 typically you know a big you know you know a big gap in there but you know lately you know lately a lot of our engagements have been private you know we, we do public courses typical typical training company type stuff right you know sign up you know one person two person a company you know shows up but the majority of our engagements have been you know, pri- private engagements with larger enterprises where they want to rip up a, a full team with with baseline skills. So I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, we'll help them go from zero to 60 on, on a, a variety of skills. And as of, as of, as of late, there's, there's been several folks within senior management that say, we need, you know, we need to ramp up the team with these skills because there's, there's one or two people on the team that have been going above and beyond. And this could be maybe for the past two, three years. And they've become in-house experts with automation. Now they need to ensure they can scale internally and they're not relying on just maybe one or two or three people. Right. So a lot of times when we do these types of engagements for training, there already is, there's the, you know, one or two people that help quarterback the engagements, but it's to, it's to really level set the larger team to get baseline skills to help, to help them start, that journey because like I was, like I was saying one of the hardest parts is just that getting started so we hope that a week of training is is enough of a of a jump start where they could um, you know, let's say the following Monday or, or day six to continue continue down that path and we've even had engagements where talking to engineers you know, they've they've actually felt where peers of theirs were getting were getting favored if they were aware of how to write basic scripts. And, and you know, let's say write a Ansible playbook as an example. So there's 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 really I would say I would say no commonality, but it really it really differs. There's you know some of that. There's some engineers that just you know know that they should be learning you know these skills and adopting it because you know they know what they're doing if they're managing a large retail environment. You know, there's a lot of you never you know you know. I would say an iterative process there to manage you know their their devices, and then there's you know top down. I think in the past few months we've seen a little bit more of this than a year ago, but you know I think as as things are becoming more mainstream from a let's call it you know media perspective on automation, there's a lot more hey top down go learn this without necessarily um, an outcome in mind. It just hey you know we know we we're going to need to reskill and retool ourselves, so start ramping up, and then we'll. Then we'll regroup as a team to to see where we can leverage what we just covered from a learning perspective. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And and question really for both of you is, so so how much when you are looking at automation, 
how much of this is software elements like SDN or some of these other things, and how much of this just evolves from existing systems that that are already there in the environment and you're just basically trying to solve a an existing problem in an environment versus say you know a greenfield problem or trying to stand up something new um how much of it is old versus new these days uh i mean in my in my my experience it's much more on the latter side i mean there you know that you'll find places for products like that like what you described um, to be inserted in, in various places but generally speaking um, the customer will always try to evaluate that product within their existing workflows. They'll always try to say, how does this fit within my existing you know, environment? And the good thing is a lot of the frameworks that Jason and I work with and, and even some of the custom stuff um, are, are mindful of that. Like, for instance, uh, with, you know, with, the, with, with Ansible, for instance, you can, you can actually de- you de- develop a module that effectively wraps your existing workflows. Um, I know we can do this in Stackstorm as well with Action. So there's just various ways that you can do that. Um, I think that um, the, the, the key there, obviously, is that the customers have those workflows really well defined. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, that they have a, a mind, that they're mindful about what they're bringing into it to uh, make sure that that workflow is maintained. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And and you mentioned you mentioned that those three key letters that I think Matt and I have come, you know, you, know, you notice uh, I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you mentioned mentioned SDN, and it's funny, you know, coming from coming from you know my past working vendors, large integrators, there was always large a large focus on the type of equipment that was being deployed, type of architecture. And now you know, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I really, really care a lot less about what's currently deployed. And, you know, it's really about, you know, how do we use what you currently have or what you're going to purchase? Doesn't really matter. And, and help automate it or operationalize it, whatever we want to, whatever we want to call it. But again, going back to that whole process of, of starting that, that journey is, or, you know, in the you know, sometimes you might, you know, we might hear, well, you know, we're going to wait for an API on this device. Or we're going to wait for this. But, you know, the bottom line is there are things that can be done, you know, one potentially one time, one time costs to develop a little bit of software. Maybe it's, I mean, maybe it's a, an action or a plugin for Stackstore. Maybe it's module for Ansible, whatever it might be, where once that we have a little, a little shimmer wrapper created, then everyone else on the team can start leveraging that. And yeah. those folks will care a little bit less on how the connection mechanism, you know, whatever connection mechanism is, is used. So the bottom line is a lot of what I'm seeing in terms of, uh, you know, day-to-day engagements with, with customers is, is really focused on the existing and not necessarily just, just leveraging, call it modern, modern architectures, if you will. Yeah, yeah. The harder problem is is making sure that the customer knows what their workflows are and that it's defined somewhere. Because like, exactly. if, if if they have a piece of if they have a piece of kit that that, that needs to be integrated with, you know, we, we can call it a simple matter of programming, right? Uh, you know, not always simple, but it's basically code can fix that. What the harder problem is is the is is that the team is on the same page with what actually goes on when X happens. You know, when 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 X event happens, what is the remediation? How do we actually go through this? And um, more and more, I'm finding that that is a conversation that has to take place way way among silos. This is no longer a conversation just for network engineers or just for server admins. Not even not even close. Yeah. No. It, it, it makes, no, sense. makes sense. Yeah. No. It, yep. and, and it makes sense. It's always. I think it's always interesting when when you you get a chance to talk to folks who you know who live and breathe this stuff, and they're like, "Look, the the reality is, you know, no matter what the press and media say, like there there's a ton of stuff that 
uh, still exists that people want to take, you know, want to, you know, keep getting value out of and, you know, not everything needs to be sort of, you know, greenfield cloud native, whatever the latest buzzword is. Um, you know, you can do a lot of things with existing equipment and, and, or software and a little bit of just, you know, modern sort of thinking, you know, principled sort of thinking, structured sort of thinking and so forth. So that, that's cool to hear that's, that's going on. Um, so let, let's talk about the other uh, sort of elephant in the room and why we, we mentioned that you guys are probably the most famous guests we've ever had on the show. Um, <laughs> give us, um, so you guys were, uh, were prominently figure, uh, sort of featured this last week on, on Reddit, but give us a little bit of background, like walk us through, first off, for anybody who doesn't know what Tech Field Day is, give us you know what that is. Um, I know some people know what it is, but tell us what Tech Field Day is, and then tell us how your involvement with that got you guys on Reddit and and just absolutely blew up this last week. So I'll I'll, I'll let I'll let Jason, my quote project manager, answer the Tech Field Day question. Program manager. Oh, sorry, nice. program manager. Yeah, so so just to fill that gap, uh, we we've been given like ten different titles by Reddit. Uh, program manager being one of Jason's, I think mine was something even more offensive. So, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do want to call this out very quickly, though. So so first of all, yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Foskey probably loves the both of you for for this uh, and the Tech Field Day out of it. But I also do, do want to say uh, kudos for having the the socket plane sticker on your laptop. That's yeah, an obscure dude, yeah. one. And what's What's better is that I have a spare somewhere around here. <laughs> <laughs> Those, that, is a, that was a very limited run of stickers, you know, ex-guests uh-huh. on the show way, way, way back when. And, yeah, we have a couple stickers floating around that are, like, super rare ones that, that you know, hardly were hardly ever given out. And the first thing yeah. I did is I went and studied all the stickers. I'm like, oh, socket plane. But anyway, that's a, that's a quick side thing. But go ahead and, yeah, tell us about, um, first of all, Tech Field Day. And then, yeah, the, the, your impressions of the Reddit thread. And what's the timeline like? When did you guys find out? And when did it start blowing up? And how much did you guys read? And when did you kind of go, oh, gosh, it's Reddit. I'm going away. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll try to do I'll try to do some of that. But yes, yeah, so tech, tech Field Day, for those that aren't aware of who they are, Tech Field Day is, is an independent event for what they call IT influencers. So they kind of bring together vendors and independent thought leaders. So it's, you know, for, for a week out in, you know, the Bay Area, it could be awesome based on technology, but it could be for three or four days straight where they fly in anywhere from 10 or 12 bloggers, thought leaders, get them in front of eight to 10 different vendors. And during this, during this week, there's live streaming events where the vendors pre, you know, present on a newer product technology, whatever they want to present on. And, uh, you know, the outcome of this for, you know, again, the conversation for here on Reddit was Matt and I participated in a Tech Field Day event, which was Networking Field Day. I'm guessing it was 10 or 12. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was 10. I forget which one it was. But it was, I believe it was over, I think it was over, over a year ago where oh, yeah. somebody somebody must have watched a video. Maybe they took a screen capture of both of us sitting, you know, side by side. And posted it to to Reddit, and they called it. It was there are two types of IT techies. <laughs> so there was <laughs> there was Matt on the left, myself on the right. And again, so the person who posted this, I have no idea who originally. You know, I don't think Matt does either. Who posted no. this picture? And I've said it on on Twitter. I I actually never. I don't have a Reddit account still to this day. So I had I had friends outside of IT texting me this picture. Saying, saying, you know, I made it to the front page of Reddit. Not even sure what that meant, but you know, then, then I started to read the comments 
that were on there over a thousand comments. Oh, and they're all bad. They're on, just bad. on this picture. So Matt, yeah, Matt, feel free to comment on on on, on those comments. But <laughs> well, it's funny. So, so yeah, basically, like they're 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 trying to basically overanalyze both of us, both of our careers and our persons, just from this uh, just from this photo, which is amusing. They they called they they effectively said Jason was uh, a program manager of some kind because he you know Jason likes to dress up and there's nothing wrong with that. He sits there with his suit and his you know nice Lenovo laptop and whatever. So they're making judgments on that. And then they look with over no at stickers. me and. Well, yep, with no stickers. And you look over at me, and then they're, you know, sticker laden laptop, and I'm disheveled. I have this huge mop of hair, and they're they're basically calling me, you know, uh, because I have so many stickers. There's no way I actually know what I'm doing. So uh, obviously, you know, I, I I like to think I know what I'm doing, and of course, Jason's brilliant. He's running his own company, so it was just kind of funny to read through those comments and see these just these these uh, this many 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 people weighing in on what they think we're all about. And then uh, only one of them discovered uh, that one of us has a blog. <laughs> so it's like out of a thousand <laughs> comments, it's like, oh, somebody did their research. And they're like, yeah, that guy's OK. <laughs> yeah. And then Stephen Foskett is in the back and lots of comments about Stephen. And he actually popped into the thread and was like, hey, that's me. And <laughs> hilarity ensued from that as well. So <laughs> well, my, my takeaway is that I apparently am the spitting image of a guy named Q from uh, Impractical Jokers. And I looked him up. It's uh, it's it's uncanny. <laughs> so what's the so this thing got like i don't know eight hundred thousand views and like 1500 comments or somewhere around there for like has there been anything kind of like you know internet famous that you guys have experienced just you know in the last week or so like you're like what what, what in the hell is this or have people reached out to you or has it just been sort of one of those like moments in your moments in time and you know it moves on uh, for me, it burned bright and short. Um, it was sort of midday when somebody sent me a message on Twitter saying, hey, you're on the front page of uh, R Funny. And I was like, oh, you know, cool. And so Twitter was crazy that day. And obviously the comments were rolling in. But then I woke up the next morning and I was not magically in, you know, my my villa out in Lake Como, Italy. So I'm not sure what went wrong there. But what about you, yeah, Jason? I would, I would agree. Uh, the same. I, I like I like round numbers. I think right now we're at about 802,000 views. It would be great if we can get to a million. I think that would be pretty awesome. What that would mean for us, probably nothing. But then we can say we have a million views on Reddit. So I hope over the next – it looks like we're we're slowly increasing. Now we're at maybe a couple hundred or a thousand after the first day or two. But if we can maybe through the Cloudcast get to a million, I think that would be that would be great. <laughs> Yeah, no, we'll definitely we'll, we'll post a, pic, a, a link to the picture and and to the uh, the Reddit thread and uh, yeah, I mean if nothing else, you guys have got you know you can you can definitely put together like talks at a whole bunch of shows for the next four or five months, like you know how to get to a million you know hits on Reddit or uh, <laughs> my my you know my life as a uh, God, there were so many good there were so many good sort of descriptions that you know there was the. Uh, you know, Matt is a homeless guy living in his, in his parents' basement to, uh, you know, Jason is a, uh, you know, Jason's a project manager who's going to drive you crazy. I mean, they did get sort of mean and they hit on every stereotype possible about the clean cut guy versus the non clean cut guy versus the person who's sitting there eating chips. And I mean, it, it, they, they dissected it like the Sapruder film. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, my, my my favorite my favorite was they said the person on the right has a has the face of an a hole. I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe, maybe I do. Maybe, maybe I do. Resting resting a hole face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's cool, guys. Listen, um, you know, obviously there's there's tons to what's going on around automation, but uh, it's it's awesome to have you guys on and kind of give us the the lowdown and the reality of of what people are facing. Um, you know, just. <laughs> 
where can people kind of catch up with you, find out what's going on, you know, maybe where you're, where you're speaking or the next event you might be at? Like how do, how do people track you down if they want to, you know, ask questions or kind of engage with, uh, with the products and technology you guys are working on? Sure. So for me, this is Jason. You can find me on Twitter at jedelman8. Personal blog is jedelman.com. You can also find a lot of great content at the company's website, networktocode.com. Cool. And uh, yeah, this is Matt. Uh, I am on Twitter as Mirdin, M-I-E-R-D-I-N. Uh, I also blog at keepingitclassless.net. Uh, in terms of um, conferences, I'm speaking. Uh, I'm trying to speak at a few start, um, a few meetups here in Portland, but uh, I know that in uh, in about April May time frame, I'll be heading out to Vegas to speak at Interop. So, um, if you want to catch me there talking about some network stuff, automation stuff, just uh, head over there uh, to I think interopitx.com. I just Google Interop, you'll find it. Very cool. Very cool. I, I found out that I'm, I'm doing a talk on uh, some container stuff and some Kubernetes stuff at Interop this year. So I definitely have to get to catch up and, and get a beer and stuff. Listen, uh, guys, any last uh, any last words or sort of guidance for folks around, you know, the stuff you're working on or just cool things to go take a look at? From my side, don't fear the unknown. Just just dive in. If it's automation, whatever it might be, newer technology, I think there's no better time to be in technology. And a lot of things are changing. So don't fear it, embrace it, and, and jump in. Yeah, I mean, same here. Uh, you know, just jump in. Uh, I, I, you know, not everybody learns hands-on, but I think it's still the best um, way to get started because, if anything, it'll demystify the process for you. And just remember, it's it's not just for Facebook. It's not just for Google. There's actually a lot of benefits to even small companies for automation, um, you know, consistency, uptime, that kind of thing. Very cool. Very cool. And listen, uh, folks, go check out the uh, go check out Jason's um, the off the network to code page. The stuff where you can do all the online training and, and labs and stuff. Especially if you're a, a home lab person that's frustrated with your uh, your boxes breaking down, or you just uh, you want to make it simple on yourself. So it's a very cool uh, very cool setup. So, um, Aaron, you want to uh, take folks home for the first time in 2017 and uh, tell folks where they can. Uh, reach out to us or find us oh and hey by the way uh remind them to uh to just to, to give us some some ratings back on uh, itunes i, think uh, I was good. actually just gonna yeah. mention that <laughs> i'm glad you said that so yeah so uh you know one of, one of the big things we'd love to do here in, in 2017 um is really we want to build up some of the iTunes reviews. Um, there are iTunes re- reviews that are out there, but but they are actually you know the podcast being a few years years old, the reviews are a few years old at this point. So um, if you like the show and and want to give back a little bit, if you don't mind, take a little time and, and go out and and give us a review. And and also um, that being this time of the year again, please consider uh, donating to the Krispy Kreme run. Just go to the cloudcast.net. Um, and the Krispy Kreme logo is in the upper right hand portion of the page. And and we'd also love to get some more feedback it's been a little while since we've gotten some some feedback so the email address is of course show at the cloudcast.net and uh at the cloudcast net on twitter as well so definitely hit us up please and uh look forward to a great 2017 and we'll talk to everyone next week thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit the cloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 